Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. You can go beyond giving to impact. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. I'm Erlon Woods. I'm Nigel Poor. We're the hosts and creators of Ear Hustle from PRX's Radiotopia. Ear Hustle is a show about life inside prison, but it's not your typical prison podcast. In this next season, we've got stories about the objects people keep inside their prison cells. About residents in a women's prison who say they want to stay there. And the most beautiful prison garden. Erlon, I will never forget it. Ear Hustle. Stories about life on the inside, told by those who live it. Find Ear Hustle wherever you get your podcasts. From WABE in Atlanta, this is Closer Look. I'm Rose Scott. Coming up on today's program, surges in both RSV and flu cases. Yeah, they're leaving Georgia's pediatric hospitals overwhelmed. I do mean a lot. So we'll check in with Dr. Andy Shane. She's a pediatrician at Georgia's Healthcare of Atlanta, Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. Also, longtime White House correspondent April Ryan will join me to talk about her new book, Black Women Will Save the World, an anthem. And then a little bit later, we're going to talk food. Yes, Chef Terrell shares cooking tips for a healthy Thanksgiving meal. And then we answer the all-important question, sweet potato or pumpkin. All that's ahead. But we begin with this, a ceremony for longtime Georgia lawmaker and House Speaker David Ralston taking place today at the state capitol. WABE politics reporter Raul Bali was there, and he joins us live now. Raul, thank you for taking the time. Hey, Rose. Um, Speaker Ralston, line in state. Uh, what took place today? So uh, Speaker Ralston's casket uh, was brought here to the state capitol today. You know, before it arrived, um, it, it really felt like like a family reunion uh, inside the state capitol and outside the state capitol. You had former lawmakers, current lawmakers, staffers, uh, all sorts of people. You know, people were just catching up. You know, I, former Lieutenant Governor Casey Cagle was here, mm. um, just for just a name. But, you know, when the streets started closing around the Capitol, the motorcade arrived. It got really, really quiet. Um, all you could hear, like you could hear the countdown of like that voice for the crosswalk for mm-hmm. crossing the street. And eventually all you could hear was just the dress shoes of the honor guard as they were carrying uh, David Ralston's body into the state capitol. Uh, and once we got inside, it was a, a short 10-minute ceremony with a couple of speakers. Mm. You mentioned just two speakers. We know Governor Brian Kemp was one. And who was the other? The other was Reverend Len Walker. Now, he's a former state representative, a friend of Speaker Ralston, and, and now he's a pastor. If David was your friend, you had a true friend. You had a friend that you could count on. And you could see people nodding their heads. That's why I picked that audio cut is, is, is you saw so many people, you know, on the multiple floors of the rotunda. You had people on the second floor, the third floor, looking over the fourth floor, just all kind of looking into the rotunda. And they were all nodding their heads when, when, when the reverend said that. And as we were watching here back at the station and listening to Governor Brian Kemp's remarks, and he talked about how David Ralston could rule, as he called it, with an iron fist, but also respectability was involved, professionalism, respect from both sides of the aisle. You know, because we were all having conversations, you know, every lawmaker has a story kind of on both, Mm -hmm. you know, a great story of something very nice he did and, may, you know, something, you know, uh, a lawmaker telling me that, you know, he had a, you know, the, the, the speaker picked him up in his SUV. 
and that same lawmaker was telling me a completely different story of when the speaker put his foot down about something. You feel like every lawmaker, Republican or Democrat, seems to have that story here. And Raul, I want to shift from the lawmakers for a moment because, as expected, members of the press corps were there. Those of you who have covered uh, Georgia politics for a long time, working and retired, also in attendance today. What does that say about what folks felt about Speaker Austin? There's an immense, there, there was and is an immense amount of respect for Speaker Ralston uh, among the press corps because you, you generally had pretty good access to him. Um, you could ask tough questions and, and he didn't hold it against you. A perfect example is uh, here in this last session, I don't think he wanted me to ask any more questions about Buckhead City. <laughs> uh, but the, it never became, you know, you could ask the Speaker of the Georgia House tough yeah. questions. But it never, you know, became it never became personal. Raul Speaker Austin, born in LJ, but spent most mm-hmm. of his life in Blue Ridge. There are plans there. Yeah. So uh, for the public, there's going his body will lie in state here till seven o'clock tonight. They'll close the doors, then reopen them tomorrow morning at seven until about ten thirty. Um, and so if people want to come down, that's that's going to be till about ten thirty tomorrow. Then his body will eventually be taken back up to North Georgia. There are going to be visitations after Thanksgiving in LJ and Blue Ridge. And then uh, the funeral will be held in, at the Fannin County High School on Sunday. And we saw a lot of his, his fans, his family there today as well. WAB politics reporter Raul Bali, live from the state capitol, or ceremony for longtime state lawmaker. House Speaker David Austin took place. Raul, as always, thank you. Always good to be on. From WABE in Atlanta, this is Closer Look. I'm Rose Scott. The CDC estimates each year in this nation between 58,000 and 80,000 children younger than five years of age are hospitalized due to RSV infection. And there's a rise in the cases, as we know right now. So add the flu and COVID-19, and some health officials say this could signal a, quote, triple-demic. So let's talk about it. Joining me now is Dr. Andy Shane, regular contributor to Closer Look for all things little ones, as we say. She is a pediatrician with Children's Health Care of Atlanta, also works with Emory. Dr. Shane, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Rose. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, I was thinking back to one of our conversations when we touched on this a while ago, and I remember you telling me that uh, you said, look, you know, it, it, it's, you said RSV, is, as it's not uncommon. Most children can get this type of infection by the time they are two years old, but there's been an uptick this year. What can you tell us as to why? What are you all seeing as the reason? Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. If you love Atlanta, you can invest in the big picture. Learn more at cf 
greateratlanta.org. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. Sure, Rose. There's probably multiple reasons for this uh, increase in respiratory viruses, and mostly in children, we've been seeing RSV and, and influenza or the flu. Thankfully, uh, we haven't, uh, over the past couple of months, COVID has been um, relatively low compared to RSV and, and flu. But starting in the summer and the last time that we spoke, we were starting to see a very unseasonable increase in RSV. And um, all of the viruses, uh, especially RSV and flu, really have not uh, paid much attention to the typical seasonality that we've seen. This is probably due to a couple of reasons. One, that uh, many of us were in uh, quarantine or isolation and didn't mix. We wore masks. Mm -hmm. We were very careful about interacting with other people. And so now we have a whole um, cohort of children who were not exposed to RSV or flu as well as adults. And so the virus then uh, has more people that are susceptible uh, and therefore more infections. So again, uh, for our listeners and what you're saying, listen, during the height of the pandemic, we were all masking and taking these extra precautions. So that's why maybe the RSV infections were down a bit the last two years. But now we've all kind of we've gotten better. We've got some of us are, you know, vaccinated. And so now we're seeing this uptick. Typically, how is this virus spread? So uh, in terms of RSV, it's actually a virus that's spread by contact. Um, So... um, by uh, coming into contact with people and, and respiratory droplets, although the main way is, is, uh, is actual contact and coming into uh, touching the saliva or secretions of, of a child usually. Um, flu is a little bit different because mm-hmm. it's droplets, and so masks prevent the transmission of flu, whereas hand washing and hand hygiene is really essential in preventing the transmission of RSV. One of the big challenges that we have is that a lot of the symptoms of these two viruses are very similar. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's hard to tell which virus a child may have. That was my next question. Let's talk about the symptoms for RSV here. So usually uh, most children who have had RSV have been younger children, and the children who have had most severe RSV have been under six months of age. It's actually a very common virus, and most children are infected by the time that they're five years old. If you're otherwise healthy, it's probably no more than a cold, maybe runny nose, a little bit of fever, and cough. But if you are not healthy um, and you're younger and your airways are not developed, it can actually be uh, quite severe, uh, resulting in hospitalization, children having difficulty breathing, lots of coughing, they don't want to eat and drink. Um, many may have fevers and mm-hmm. they just really look miserable. Um, so we've been seeing more children who have had more severe RSV and required hospitalization to get respiratory support. Um, unfortunately, there is currently no vaccine for RSV. So the best way to prevent RSV is by hand hygiene and trying mm-hmm. to prevent people who are ill from coming into contact with each other. With our, our little ones with our, from six months and some even with our toddlers, it, they can't really always tell you, hey, I don't feel well. Um, so what, what do you want parents? And again, we want folks to obviously consult with their own primary care physician, although you are an expert or we wouldn't really have them show. But, you know, how can you what, what should parents look for that 
might be a little bit different, you know, than just a little fussy toddler or infant? So that's that's a great question. And I'll just start out by saying that, you know, parents really know their children the best. And if they feel like there's something wrong with their child, that really is an indication to seek medical care and ideally with their uh, with their pediatrician or the person who provides health care um, for their child. Uh, most children with RSV, uh, one of the main complaints and one of the concerns that we have is that because they're coughing so much and so uncomfortable, they don't want to drink. And so they become what we say dehydrated. Mm-hmm. And so that isn't a uh, reason for them uh, to uh, need hospitalization or need additional fluids. And so if your child is refusing anything to drink, that would be one indication and something that we should be concerned about. And so no there's no vaccination, so treatment, do you treat it just like you would do? And I know that if you take it, the child to the doctor, obviously there could be something else, but if you have a, a child with a mild case at home, then what do you suggest, and, and you just kind of treat it like you would a very, really bad cold? So yes, and uh, making sure that the child stays well hydrated, sometimes giving them little sips of fluid, popsicles, um, this is a time to give them something that they may like um, when you're like Ill, frozen you fudge to, pops. Frozen <laughs> fudge pops work well. Um, anything that you can try to get liquid into them. Um, also, some children at night will really cough a lot. And so um, trying to make sure that they are in the comfortable position um, and, um, you know, if they are having any difficulty breathing, that, of course, would be a reason for them to go to the hospital um, and, you know, in the hospital, what we do is provide them with oxygen if they need that to help them breathe and then fluids uh, as well that can be given in the vein and then uh, by mouth as needed. So most parents for mild cases of RSV can take care of their child at home and it may not look like anything more than a really bad cold. But if the child's refusing to drink or is having a lot of difficulty breathing or coughing continuously, that may be a reason to seek additional care. You know, you and I have had conversations before about messaging, and I know folks listen with the pandemic and COVID-19, and there was so much messaging. Now we're in flu season, and then we have a, a rise in RSV infection. Are, are you? How do you suggest now with messaging that we make sure folks just don't let their guard down because, you know, we've, we've appear to have a hold on COVID-19. I say that as I wish there was some wood around here to knock on. But what do you want folks to know about just this time of year? Sure, yes. And and right now, as I would say, we've just been seeing unprecedented numbers of children in our hospitals and medical care facilities. And that's not only here in Atlanta, but throughout the Southeast, throughout Georgia, and actually now moving to other parts of the country. And so we really do want to emphasize for parents that there are steps that can be taken. And you mentioned, you know, the triple-demic. So there is are very effective vaccines for flu. And we highly recommend that children and six months of age and older and everybody in the household uh, receive a flu vaccine. And then also COVID vaccines. Um, there are boosters that are recommended for children and making sure that adults as well are up to date on the COVID vaccine. So if you can prevent a flu infection or prevent a COVID infection, then uh, the supportive care for an RSV infection um, is something that can be more effective and you uh, really reduce the chances of having severe infections from flu and COVID if you can vaccinate children and the adults that they come into contact with. How important oh. is, go ahead. 
Oh, I was just going to also mention, I don't, I know I'm a pediatrician, but I also am very concerned about older adults and yeah. grandparents. And so, you know, for flu and RSV, in addition to really affecting young children, um, these infections can be very, very severe in older adults as well. And we have lots of grandparents who are caregivers for younger children. So really want to emphasize that everybody at all ages should receive vaccines if they're eligible. And we're all gathering for the holidays and folks are traveling. So how long do you think would it take maybe mid-January where we could start seeing the data to determine how we all did this holiday season or February? How long does that usually take? Um, so usually it's uh, about three to four weeks after the surge. We, we realize that we've had a surge. Um, and so what we want to try to do is, is prevent that. And so there's lots of monitoring systems. We do our own at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta and then uh, the CDC and others are also monitoring uh, not only locally, um, but around the country. Georgia Department of Public Health also has uh, surveillance uh, for flu and RSV as well. So we try to take all that data together. But mm-hmm. um, we've had a little bit of a reprieve these past three weeks. I don't want to, I need some wood too. Um, <laughs> but I am concerned with traveling and mixing of people that we may we may see more infections. Um, RSV and flu have really started in the Southeast. And so we may be a little bit fortunate in the sense that we may have had our wave of infection. But Oftentimes, flu, we get a second peak in January, as you mentioned, and so really want to make sure that we try to do everything we can to protect our children and those who take care of them. Dr. Shane, I have a question from a listener who wants to know, is is the flu shot okay for all kids of all ages? Yes, the flu shot is very safe uh, for children six months of age and older, um, and everyone should receive a, a flu vaccine. Some children who are less than eight years of age and have not had a previous flu vaccine actually need two doses in the same season separated by a month to be fully protected. It's also important to remember that it takes about 10 to 14 days after Mm -hmm. getting the flu shot to be fully protected. And so thinking about that as one travels as well, um, it's never too late. um, And we saw lots of flu during the summer. So uh, we recommend that children get vaccinated as long as the flu vaccine is available. And finally, Dr. Shane, as we begin to wrap up, and I, I want to end with this uh, question uh, from a listener who wants to know, you know, wh- what do you make of how far we've come the last two years? That would have been my question. This person could have been a journalist. Ask her, <laughs> what does she make of the last two years? <laughs> I've asked you that before, too. I'll just say, wow. <laughs> it's been it's been incredible. Um, you know, I think we've really learned a lot. Uh, about public health, the importance that every individual plays in preventing infections, Um, the importance, and I'll also say this is an opportunity really to advocate for children. And I think especially with COVID, initially there was the thought that it really wasn't going to be a severe disease in children. But Mm -hmm. what we've definitely seen is that we've had uh, severe infections in children and also especially with COVID, the long-term effects, uh, behavior, school, um, all of those development, developmental issues that we're going to be dealing with. So really um, just make, taking note of these viruses and trying to do everything that we can to prevent them by vaccination, hand hygiene. It's so simple. It really is just so important in trying to prevent the transmission and then also staying home when you're ill. We know people want to get together with friends yeah. and family, and that's also so, so important, but, but do it safely. And uh, then we can have... Uh, we can keep everybody healthy. 
Thank you. And as always, we encourage you to please consult with your primary care physician or your family pediatrician. Dr. Andy Shane, as always, we thank you for taking the time. I keep telling you folks that you should have your own show. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. She's mine. (laughs) Thank you, Rose. It's been a pleasure. Happy, safe, healthy Thanksgiving to everyone. Ah, yes. Closer Look continues from WABE in Atlanta. I'm Rose Scott. Here is your question, folks. Everybody paying attention? Stop what you're doing because I'm about to mention. All right. Stop what you're doing. Here's your question. Pumpkin or a sweet potato pie? I hear. I hear a collective all over. Well, I asked some of my WABE colleagues. Here's what they had to say. Sweet potato. I know. <laughs> Sweet potato or pumpkin? Pumpkin. I thought we didn't like pumpkin here. Chris, sweet potato or pumpkin? I'm actually, I'm offended that you even had to ask that. Clearly, sweet potato pie. Sweet potato. Sweet potato or pumpkin? Sweet potato. There you have it. Glad to know that WABE is a sweet potato pie organization. Send me your emails. Now, whether you're making a pumpkin or sweet potato pie, the fact is we do know this. This Thanksgiving holiday, it's going to be a little bit more costly than last year. Don't get mad at me, but due to inflation, we know that Thanksgiving dinner will cost about 20% more than last year because of inflation. Now, according to a chief economist at the American Farm Bureau Federation, that's just the way it is. But that doesn't also mean that you have to just you know, cut corners. So no matter what the fixings are, and yes, I said fixings, I'm from St. Louis, it's not too late to think about a more healthier Thanksgiving spread, right? Right? People listening like, what are you talking about, Rose? Well, let's welcome Chef Terrell to the program. Welcome. Hi, how are you doing, Zay? Pretty good. Uh, Let's just get it out of the way. Sweet potato or pumpkin? Sweet potato all the way. All the way. (laughs) And you're from St. Louis. Yes. And I am too. (laughs) I know. What high school did you go to? In the county. McClure North. McClure North. Yes. Ah, yeah. I think we beat y'all in basketball. I went to Rosada Kane. Rosada. Oh, God. You were one of those Rosada Kane girls. Now, what does okay. that mean? What, what does that mean? You're one of those Rosada Kane girls. No. Just, just, you, guys were, you guys were the bomb. That's all. That is true. <laughs> Before we get all deep in Thanksgiving dinner, mm-hmm. and, and I have some folks who are outside the studio because they just nosy and they want some food. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's get a little backstory. You're a personal chef, right? Yes, I am. How long? Um, actually just a year and a half. You just started. Yes. Well, I've been cooking since I was probably five, six years old. What was that first dish you made? First dish, helping my mom with some dressing. That's another thing. Stuffing or dressing. So, (laughs) (laughs) but growing up, it was, it was dressing. I was always like my mom's sous chef in the kitchen. How'd your mom make her dressing? She made it with, um, Cornbread from scratch. Mm-hmm. From scratch. From scratch. None of that stuff none in the box. That, none of that. None However, of that. However, <laughs> the stuff in the box can come it, yeah, handy yeah, sometimes. It can. It's, you know, as far as convenience, definitely. Um, but if you want to just take it back, you know, old school, def- definitely from the box, um, I would say no. 
Scratch is what it is. <laughs> now, the the meals that our parents made and mm-hmm. the meals that their parents made and mm-hmm. the meals that their parents made. I mean, you know, let's be really clear. Some of us, some of our folks cook with lard. Yes. <laughs> I know before y'all go, oh, <laughs> that's just the way it was. Yeah. And some of us, our families, we cooked everything from the turkey to the pig to the cow and everything in between. Yes. I've even had, now, please don't get mad at me, folks. I didn't cook it. I, a friend, dad had some raccoon. Yes, this sounds like my dad. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I, I took my engineer, Kevin, is vegan. He's looking at me like, Rose, don't tell this story. Uh, I took a little bite. Mm-hmm. Very lean, but I just couldn't because I had this image of this little the cute raccoon. Of that raccoon, yes. Well, look, that, that's, that was then, yeah. this is now. Some folks say, listen, Thanksgiving is the time where you just let loose. You don't have to be healthy. But look, some of us... Still got these COVID pounds we trying to yeah, work absolutely. off. So what's the, what's the one thing you think people get wrong about the Thanksgiving dinner in terms of it being healthy? I think the biggest thing is the turkey because turkey is white meat. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you don't eat turkey, I mean, the chicken, that the poultry itself is very lean. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, when you get into if you're going to do some fried chicken or something like that. But traditionally, if you're going with that turkey, that's that's lean protein right there. Um, it's just really Thanksgiving, to be honest, is about the sides. And that's where <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of where we all just kind of let loose is on those side dishes. It's about the sides. Yeah. Sides right. and desserts. All right. You listen, know, <laughs> listen, folks, send me an email, rose at W.A.B.E. dot org or hit up hit us up on Twitter or Facebook if you have a question for the chef. So you're saying it's about the sides. So you could could you repl- let's start here. Mm-hmm. Replacing the turkey with a different type of protein. For those who are, since in honor of Kevin, yes. <laughs> who are vegan, mm-hmm. and if you say tofurkey, I'm going to ask you to leave. No, I, I okay. would not do that. <laughs> that is the, I'm sorry. Tofurkey is no. just not good. No, I've never had it, but I, I've, it does not even sound right. <laughs> I, I'm just sorry, folks. That's, I've tried it, and goodness. But anyway, let's let's stay on track here. What is a good vegan or vegetarian substitute for the protein, the turkey? I would say there are, you can do so much with butternut squash. Um, butternut squash lasagna, I've made that before. You can do that vegan, and it's, it's awesome. It's filling, it's hearty. Um, not only that, portobello mushrooms. It takes on a nice flavor, and it also is very hearty. You can make uh, different casseroles with portobello mushrooms. So there's a lot of things that you can take on. Um, that will replace meat. I mean, I I have at least one meatless day a week. Yeah. Um, so I've kind of incorporated just going without that protein. And a lot of times I don't even miss it. I really don't. Yeah, but it's Thanksgiving, yeah, it, it is Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving. But that times have mm-hmm. definitely changed. I mean, you have so many people with different diet styles now. Sure. And so just trying to, and even with my clients, I have clients that some are vegan, pescatarian, and mm-hmm. I have to be able to kind of, cater to, you know, the various diet styles that are out there. So I've experienced, and it's one dish I want to tell you, it's a, it's a Japanese squash. It's called kabocha. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is something that's very flavorful. I got it at the farmer's market and that's something that I'm experimenting with. You're experimenting. Yes. With it is delicious though. It's a cross between a pumpkin. It's a, it's a Japanese you, root vegetable. You bake it? How do you Yes, you roast it? it. You roast it. And it's delicious. It's delicious. And it has this bright, fleshy orange color to it. Um, it is delicious. I got it at the farmer's market. And I said, let me grab this and just play around with it. 
And when I tell you, it was amazing. So and this could be the protein absolutely replacement for the absolutely. turkey, because it's or very, in addition to in addition to right. because it's very fibrous. So mm. when you want to put a little bit more fiber in, because the fiber is also going to help fill you up as well. So you're not tempted to eat as much. You know, I want I know Thanksgiving is all about the food and eating, but you also want to. Have a little portion control. Can you stuff well. it? Can you stuff this? <laughs> no, it's it's really a big, giant, I would say huge squash. Uh-huh. And so you would cut it. Just think of something like a butternut squash. Gotcha. You would cut it and you would roast it. But I'm playing around with some different recipes, but it's it's amazing just the flavor once you roast it in the oven. And it's funny when you said um, between pumpkin mm-hmm. and sweet, sweet potato. potato because that is like a cross between both. Okay. So, now. Yeah. For the turkey folks, yeah, <laughs> is there a way to prepare? I mean, look, it's turkey. Yeah, so you just got the traditional way. I mean, there's no no way to make it more healthy or less. You know, it's just it's a turkey. It's turkey, yeah. yeah. So, any tips there, though? Um, you know what, smoking. I love smoke. Yeah. Smoking, yeah, because it imparts a lot of flavor into it. Not fried it. turkey, huh? Yeah, fried turkey is good as well. You know, it's those people out turkey. there that's out there frying those turkeys. Now I get it. But um, for me, I would say more of a smoke flavor mm-hmm. because it's really and you're brining it as well. That's mm-hmm. huge, brining that turkey so it can have that juicy flavor because turkey can dry out so easily. It can. Yeah. And what is, what's the mistake you think people make with the turkey most often? Overcooking here? it. Yeah. Yeah, because we got to realize that a turkey, it's basically you're cooking it based on the pounds. Right. So I mean, if you get a small turkey and someone they're not paying attention, they may cook. Keep it in the oven for two hours. No, it depends on the size. So, right. so let's turkey. go here. Yeah. I, I, I think I have <laughs> somewhat. I don't know why folks give me a turkey because I'm going somewhere else to eat. But hey, I got it. I probably you know donate it somewhere. Right. But I think it's a I think it's an eight pound turkey. Okay, eight eight or so something like that. I mean, you just probably uh, about my, my parents were hour. old school. Yeah, the, the turkey and the foil. <laughs> That's it. That was my mom. And then there's a process in between. And that's it. None of this fancy stuff. Right. Things have changed, right? <laughs> All the fancy stuff. Yeah. But I would say even with a smaller turkey like that, probably a good hour. Um, but the one at thing. At what temperature? At what temperature? Here we go. Between Here come the emails. <laughs> 325 and 350. However, if you want to get a nice brown crisp on that turkey, what I do that probably the last 10 minutes or so, I take foil or cover off, you know, if it's a roasting pan and I put it on high heat, like up to 400 and that's going to give that nice crisp. <laughs> Not total, but I got an email that says, Rose, tell the chef, ain't no way I'm having squash instead of my turkey. <laughs> she, See, you have to try it. You have to try it. But I get it, you know, yeah. but, you know, things have changed. Yeah, have so, changed. but there are some options that, you know, if you are meatless, if you want to go without the protein. And we'll talk definitely. about that. We're going to take yeah. a quick break. When we come back, okay. we'll have more. <laughs> Rose, ain't no way I'm having a squash instead of my turkey. We're back in a moment. Closer Look continues from WABE in Atlanta. I'm Rose Scott, and our apologies. We were unable to connect with April Ryan for our segment. We will, however, reschedule April Ryan. But nevertheless, I have Chef 
Terrell in the house. What's She's up? a personal chef. And I've also invited some of my WAB colleagues because they were being nosy. They smelled some food. But we're going to have a good, <laughs> we have a family conversation about food and Thanksgiving. I have Aisha and I have Chris in the house. Welcome. And I know that your directors don't know you're here, but hey, who cares? <laughs> I got you off. Y'all get in trouble. Tis the season. All right. Let's back up a little bit. Because right. you said something very interesting. You said you were thinking about going vegan. Why? I was thinking about going vegan because recently I have been experiencing some intense, intense headaches as a result of my elevated blood pressure. Mm-hmm. And so instead of choosing to get on additional medication, I wanted to find some alternative methods to bring my blood pressure down. So one of the things I've considered is going vegan. Uh, you were, but you grew up like that's Thanksgiving, all the fixings and, and everything. Turkey, can you have a Thanksgiving without the turkey? Could you have like you can? Some- My family actually does stray away from traditional Thanksgiving. Sometimes really? we've done seafood okay. holiday meals. Um, actually, this holiday we're having lamb, salmon, and turkey. So okay. where, where where do I go? What's the address? <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it to you after the show. Right. Chris, what about you? What's the traditional? Thanksgiving fixings in your household. You know, like Aisha, um, we don't we stray away from the traditional. I think uh, Thanksgiving layout. Um, you know, we probably will, will have turkey. You know, I've got friends coming over. They're bringing a jerk turkey, so it's not going to be Ooh. traditional. Okay. You know, okay. turkey was you know it's going to have some jerk seasoning, a little Caribbean flavor. But then um, we're also going to do I think some steak or some roast. You know, maybe some fried shrimp. You know, so it's not traditional mm-hmm. in that way, but it's food that. We all enjoy. I think that's the most important thing. And, Chef, that's the thing, because Thanksgiving is about food. So yeah. going away from the traditional fixings, what, what is a, a, a non-traditional side you're going to have this year? Um, mine would be cauliflower mac and cheese. Okay, now, wait a minute. Because, <laughs> you know, you I don't know if former mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms is listening at this moment, but we okay. know what happened we, with her mac and cheese. She had a moment. She had a moment there. So when you start substituting the mac and cheese, let's, let's take our listeners. I got emails. I'm telling you. Let's take have, our listeners through this. I have perfected this. it. All right. Let's. Um, but really, because I do a lot of lower carb options as well. And, and you talked about, like, um, with your blood pressure, that was another issue I was having, kind of borderline. So cutting some of the sodium and also some of the carbs, too. Um, so I decided to do lower carb option and the cauliflower mac and cheese. Yes, it still has the cheese in it, but it cuts that carb content because carbs turn into sugar, Mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day. So, um, I started this recipe during the pandemic. I just started playing around with it. Um, gave it to a few friends to try and they loved it. All right, let's... (laughs) Got a text from my sister. Okay. What's she talking about? What what is she? All right, let's let's go through this. This is the cauliflower mac and cheese. Correct. Take us through it. Okay. You need so, recipe. yeah, I can tell you. So, pretty much, I'm starting off with the cauliflower. So, mm-hmm. if you take a whole cauliflower, wash it. I'm talking not the frozen. I'm talking about a fresh cauliflower. Mm-hmm. And what you want to do to kind of give it the illusion of noodles, you're going to pick it apart. It's a little time consuming, but you're making small little bite-sized pieces. Okay. So you're picking it apart. You're going to make sure it's washed, dried. And the biggest thing with cauliflower, a lot of times water comes out of it. So you have to make sure that it's dry. And I roast it in the oven. Because once you roast vegetables, it takes on a whole nother what flavor. What temperature and how long? you got to be specific because if somebody <laughs> try this and it don't work out, I'm going right. to get an email. Or even worse, they may come up to the station. <laughs> Where's the lady with the recipe? Where's the right? Okay. Who did this? So uh, high heat. Roasting in the oven, high heat. And high heat is usually between 400 and 425. So I roast that cauliflower probably for about 20, 30 minutes to kind of give it a nice little 
um, just brown color to it. Any olive oil? And I roasted, yeah, olive oil and just a little bit of Himalayan salt on there and put it in the oven. So once you take it out, you're going to have all these little bite-sized pieces. So think of that as your pasta, okay? okay? I know it's not pasta. Up. Let's okay. back up. you got to be specific. So after you wash it, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm stuck on the washing. So okay. you wash it. Correct. High heat, you're going to roast well, it. But do you put anything you on it? it. Okay, you got to make sure that cauliflower is dry because once you put it in the oven, it's retained that water. Dry. Make sure it's dry before it goes in the oven. You can take some paper towels. Okay. Exactly. Just squeezing out any moisture. High heat is what? High heat Because some people between, might think 500. No. Four hundred right. to four twenty-five okay. is high heat. Are you, Chris mentioned some olive oil? Are you yes. putting okay? I'm drizzling just some right. extra virgin olive oil on it, Himalayan salt, and that's all. Just some salt. How long it. at four hundred? I cook it probably about twenty to twenty-five minutes. Okay. I would say, depending there. on now, it's done at about twenty. But I like a little brown color to it. Okay. And so once you take it out of the pan, then I start the cheese sauce. And I'm doing cheese sauce similar to what I would do with mac and cheese. So I come, I start with a roux, and I'm talking about the flour and oh, making a nice you're little roux. It straight from I'm, scratch. Exactly. That's old school. I like it. Right. I'm making it like that. So pretty much, you I'm lost me a at che- roux. Okay. So because I'm, I'm see, with I, you, I, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. I hear yeah, what you're I, saying, I, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to make sure our listeners, because I want them right. to try this. So roux right. is pretty much just like your flour gotcha. um, that you're incorporating. You're making into kind of almost like a gravy. Gotcha. Think of gumbo, okay? But gumbo is actually a thicker roux that you're making. But um, usually, I'm starting with either some butter or olive oil, maybe butter and olive oil, and then I'm incorporating the flour, making sure the flour isn't lumpy, so it's all in the wrists. With a whisk, you've got to just you've got to be able it. to whisk with exactly. You know what I'm talking I know about. Exactly what you you're gotta, talking about. <laughs> you gotta have a mama with a mama wrist the, action right, going. That wrist is going because if it gets lumpy, you know, no, you're you've it ruined clean. it exactly. So, and, and we're gonna, by the way, folks, we're gonna get this. We're gonna put it on our website. So, but okay, continue. And right. then the one thing is now you start incorporating your liquid. So the good thing about the cauliflower mac and cheese is you can use a plant-based milk like almond milk, unsweetened, no vanilla or anything like that. Or you could use a full fat milk to create a nice creamy sauce. What do you so. use? That's what I want to use. <laughs> I'm with Aisha. Let me see if I have I mean, because I'm in charge of making the roasted Brussels sprouts for Thanksgiving dinner. And so the piece where she's roasting the cauliflower, ooh. Oh, wait. <laughs> We about, let she has know. some here for us yeah. to see, no, guys. No, 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 not us. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the closer look with Aisha and Chris. This is closer look with Rose. This is what we came so, for. Though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're so here for the this food. Is, yeah, I made this this morning. So, it, as you see, it looks a little bit like macaroni it cheese, does. doesn't it? Exactly. Uh, okay, so. so let's go back to the... To so the... you're making the cheese sauce at mm-hmm. this point. So you're starting adding cheese to it so if you're going to do what i did i like different cheeses such as like um cheddar sharp um you can experiment you could do a jack cheese moderate jack it really cheese is what's going to make it so what you're doing is incorporating once again with the wrists and you're adding that cheese and the into the the milk the roux mixture gotcha stirring it and it's going to be a nice creamy cheese sauce so the only trick is the flip of the wrist for the roux. For exactly, the roux. exactly. Okay. Then you're starting to add um, the, the cheeses and the milk and all that. And okay. It's going to make then, a nice sauce. Okay. And then? And then what you do, you're going to have a casserole dish. I spread the cauliflower in a casserole dish, and then I'm adding that cheese sauce to it. And I'm just incorporating it. So the 
That's all you do. It's and, very simple. And then you put it back in the oven? And then I actually... Add some little extra cheese. So if you like that real cheesy, you know, the I would get some top. exactly some cheese on the top. So the cauliflower, the cauliflower mm-hmm. then the roux. <laughs> Someone just, a friend of mine just uh, texted me and was like, "This is fancy." Uh, and wants to know almond cashew milk. I would do almond milk. Um, okay. Honestly, if I was going to do it plant based, because I have done a vegan version of it, mm-hmm. uh, almond milk. For me, I mean, some people do, um, like you said, cashew milk, and there's other ones. I think there's a um, oat milk now. So, but remember, it, for that, it, you still make it the same way. Okay. Um, it's just going to be vegan. And then instead of adding, you know, like your sharp cheddar cheese, you're adding more of a vegan cheese. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And so now we've got that, mm-hmm. the, the cauliflower, mm-hmm. the so you got the casserole dish, everything. Right. And you and put some extra cheese on extra top Extra cheese it. on top, Ooh, right? And goodness. then I put a little paprika, just smoked paprika, get mm, a little color okay. to it. Right. Yeah. yeah Stick it talking. in the oven. Okay. Now, <laughs> again, I love my listeners, but we got to be specific. Okay. What temperature? Okay. At this point, we're at 350. Just 350. regular okay. 350 in the oven. Slide it in, put it in the oven, and I cook it. Pretty much, I like mine kind of more. It depends on if you want it where it's a little liquidy. I mm-hmm. like mine solid like this. Me too. So Me you too. can just kind of scoop it out. But my question so. is, why are you bring that little bitty old bowl? Because I knew it was for you. I didn't know. See, look what else I brought. What I brought is, a couple things okay, here. Okay, now you tell our listeners what else you brought. For- so one of the things growing up, um, in St. Louis was desserts. Mm-hmm. My mom made the best butter pound cake. No, the best no, my red... mom made the best <laughs> No one pound. makes a better pound cake than my deceased grandmother, Florence Harris Green. So my mom, may she rest in my peace, tell my boys. So. Shout out. <laughs> so as we know, all our moms, I mean. Made the best pound <laughs> cake. So um, one of the things, and so that recipe she shared with me, and now I'm able to share it with some of my family members. But. Another thing she made was red velvet cake. Yes. So this is my twist. One of the things that I do is I try to put a little spin or twist on ingredients. So today I made, and because I was told there's someone on your staff that's vegan. Yes. So I made this. It's a vegan red velvet cheesecake. Okay, but he's okay, but that's a big cake for right. Kevin. But no, it's and, for you. It's for and you, you guys. brought me this little bitty old. <laughs> no, this is for everybody. This is for you. This is the cake is shareable. The yeah. mac and cheese doesn't look shareable. But it's, I do have a question sure. about the mac and cheese. Sure, is it Southern family approved? Because it looks good. But <laughs> if What's I were family, if I were to make this, yes, and take it to my ninety-year-old grandmother, yes, is she going to approve? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. All right. I, my out. siblings who are older than I am, when I go home, I make this and they love it. So, wow. you know, so I've had to kind of incorporate things for my family <laughs> and they love it. Do you only use the the plant-based milk? Like, would you ever use if like a cream? If you did the vegan. Cream? If you had... No, for if this is regular version. So I'm just using regular milk here. Okay. okay. Yep. I have a question from sure. a listener that greens. Which, yes. Rose, what is she putting in her greens if not meat? To give it that same flavor. So I do two different types of greens. Mm-hmm. One with the smoked turkey. Of course. And then the other one, my vegetarian greens, is really just in the seasonings that you put in there. I mean, you know, the salt, pepper, you can put a little bit of cayenne pepper. I also like onions in my, I don't really do vinegar. I know some people are big on vinegar and greens. Um, so really, it's just the seasonings for me. Um, a little bit of onion powder. Uh, I maybe put a little bit of Worcestershire sauce in there. So I just 
make it really flavorful mm. because the meat, of course, you can't put the meat in if you're going to do the vegetarian option, sure. but still, you can still have the flavor in and there. And I've had greens where folks have mm-hmm. used tofu, which I thought was very interesting. Okay. <laughs> Yes, that that's is, what I said, too. That is interesting. Are you shaking her head? Like, <laughs> that's not it. That's not it. <laughs> Whatever you're doing. I have a question. That's if, not it. If, uh-huh. you use, if you use chicken broth mm-hmm. or broth, any broth, does that negate the vegetarian or vegan? No, that, but or? if you're going to... I put broth in my collard greens. So if I'm going to do a vegetarian option, you have to get veggie broth. Veggie broth. And there's low-sodium options there. If I'm going to do, like, the greens that I'm making for Thanksgiving, I'm going to put chicken broth because that also mm-hmm. imparts a little bit more flavor as well. Now, if you're going to do the smoked turkey, remember, you're getting some salt from there. Yeah. So you definitely need a low-sodium chicken broth. And I wouldn't do a full um, sodium one. Now, what I'm going to do, mm-hmm. I have these the <laughs> Rose Scott turkey wings. Turkey wings, oh. yes. yes. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? Actually, look at me Tell like Tell me more. Tell yeah, me recipe, more, Rose. Recipe. Uh, well, well, I don't want to just give it all away up here. On, we need on like the, two or three seasons. But the cornbread, I've given my father's cornbread recipe, mm-hmm. the hot water skillet. Hot water, oh, yes. You know, which nice. with jalapeno peppers and actual corn. Now, yes. old school, some people put crackling in there, if you know yes. what crackling's about. But, you know, if I was making it for Kevin, I wouldn't put crackling in there. <laughs> right. You know, but I could put something else in there. So How do you I, know Kevin wouldn't want crackling? Uh, because Kevin's vegan. Oh, that's right. Okay. And crackling is not vegan. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> You're correct. There is no planet where crackling, crackling. Is, is vegan. So, you know, but if you are, because cornbread is in the place where I'm going this Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend's sister said, Rose, do you know how to make cornbread? Which I was offended. Uh, Sound but, like my sister. <laughs> yes. And, and I'm, I'm not hating on the, the J cornbread, <clears throat> Jiffy, you know, <laughs> but you know what? give me your cornbread recipe. Um, I definitely would do, um, if I'm going to do the traditional, I'm talking about cast iron skillet, taking my mom's recipe. There you go. Cornmeal. I mean, just keeping it simple. Corn, mm-hmm. It's not about, like you said, the box. There are some good box ones out there. But the more traditional is really just cornmeal, um, just either water or milk, mixing mm-hmm. that together, you know, put in the skillet. It, it's, ve- it's very easy. Your eggs in there, and that's it. it it's a very, very simple to make just regular cornbread. If you are making your first Thanksgiving dinner, mm-hmm. uh, what is the one easy recipe that you want to give to folks that will just wow the whole family and friends? You know what? If it's their very first and if they're scared of the turkey, honestly, I would get a rotisserie chicken. And yes, I've instructed people to do this and make a nice casserole because you can actually make a really nice Thanksgiving casserole, taking that chicken, rotisserie chicken, deboning it, and really adding. There's one recipe. It's the easiest. So I give you it buy to the niece. rotisserie chicken Correct. already. Which is, and I'm there's talking some about nice rotisserie. Yeah, bread. go to yeah. Many stores have them. Yeah. So then, if you take that and buy the um. The stuffing mix, what Uh-oh. is that called? The, okay, but it as a casserole, stuffing mix is great. Gotcha. Make that stuffing mix, and then you're adding some vegetables to it, some cheese. It makes a great cheese. Thanks, yes, okay. it makes a and cream of chicken soup. This is probably the easiest easiest recipe ever. And I've given it to my nieces before, and it's one of those dishes that you can make for the holiday or any other time. I can't take that to my grandmother. You can't. <laughs> I can't. You can't take that to Aisha's grandmother, no. which is the test, by yes, the way. Yes. Real quickly, I got to get this in yeah. here. Potato salad. Potato salad. Now, you know the joke. <laughs> no raisins. No raisins, number one. No, no, and no, and no. look, if you have not 
been gifted with the family potato salad mm-hmm. recipe, just hold on. Just, At right. some point, somebody's going to give it to you. Don't try it on your own. Yes, do not. <laughs> just What is it with potato salad and some populations of our society? Um, You know what? It's just, I think, because we, especially being from St. Louis, I'm telling you, if you... you say, Potato salad and barbecue, that, yes. that was what we ate, yep. you know, at our barbecues, potato salad. So I just think growing up in our households, I mean, that was just big. And yeah. it's so easy. That's the thing. Potato salad is really just those potatoes and adding that that mayo, that mustard. and Let me those, ask you this. Sugar? It simple. Sugar, yes or no? A little, little touch of sugar. A little touch of sugar. My mm-hmm. mom, that's what I saw her do. I mean, she put a little dash of sugar paprika? in it, and that's it. Yes. And paprika. Yes. Boiled eggs. And then put them boiled eggs on top. Put that Thank paprika. You. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I made potato salad. I put the boiled Did eggs you? on top. I yes. sliced them. And a friend of mine who's from Indiana just, uh-huh. like, had a, a fit. I, what is this? I'm like, hold on. Chill out, first yeah. of all. That's how we do it in St. Louis. That's how we do it. Okay, can you set an argument between my wife and I? Yeah. Can the potato salad be warm? Because mm. I'm a fan of warm potato salad. Then you're going to be eating what? in the corner by yourself. Well, you know what? That's favorable. fine. I, growing up, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Growing up, I always had cold potato salad. But as I've gotten older, I do like it room temperature. I will say that. Oh. So, it, you know, I like it room temperature. Not warm, but room temperature. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you see these emails. <laughs> His brother talking about warm, but where he from? That's <laughs> what it says. Where he from? Where he I like from, Chris? Warm potato salad. From New York? Yes. I can tell. Not the South. What y'all know about potato salad? Up Listen, there? I like it warm. Yeah, that's the problem. Y'all can have y'all y'all can have the origins of hip hop, but other than that, lead a potato salad. To Chris it. also told me that they're having apple pie and cheesecake for dessert, which are fine desserts however not for thanksgiving i was like that are those are not southern thanksgiving desserts yeah, she told me that wasn't southern approved <laughs> oh well chef terrell thank mm-hmm. you so much for taking in thank you for so taking much. the time coming in this was a lot of fun thank, thank you. you i want everyone to have a happy and healthy thanksgiving holiday our yes. producers Lashawn hudson daniel brazel and pat st Clair. our engineer is kevin rinker he will get some of this lovely cake a reminder to let us know your thoughts on today's program or any other send me an email Rose at WABE.org. And of course, if you missed any of today's show, it is always online. WABE.org slash Closer Look. And Closer Look weeknights at 7 p.m. as well as in our podcast. So subscribe to Cl- so subscribe to Closer Look wherever you like. We'll be back next Monday. Everyone have a healthy and happy Thanksgiving. Stay tuned to 90.1 WABE Atlanta. I'm Rose Scott. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. The Gold Dome Scramble podcast is now plugged in, a WABE politics podcast. New name, same on-the-ground reporting from us, WABE politics reporters Sam Greenglass and Raul Bally. We'll cover local, state, and national politics as we talk to politicians and voters to break down each week's biggest headlines. New episodes drop on Fridays. Listen and subscribe at WABE.org or your favorite podcast platform. WABE. 